You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Dallas Mavericks, the very, very good, surprisingly good with an MVP candidate in Luka Doncic, Dallas Mavericks. We'll talk about that game coming up in the show, third segment, preview this one. I actually think the Pelicans have a chance in this one, and I'll let you guys know why. Before we get to that, though, we got to cover some big topics. Zion's health, when we're going to see him on the court, and the play of each one more. He had a bad game the other night, went 0 for 6 from the field, but he's overall been really, really good this year for the team. We're going to take a look at his play, what he's done. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So at practice yesterday, Alvin Gentry gave us an update on Zion Williamson, and I was there but I wasn't there to attend the practice. Instead, if you saw it on social media on Twitter yesterday, I'm hosting for the Pelicans officially a Twitch show called On the Fly with Gus Kattengill of ESPN Radio 100.3 FM here in New Orleans. And we were there to tape and film the first episode. Having Josh Hart on, it's also live and interactive where we can take your questions, answer them live on the show in the moment. It was a lot of fun to do. If you haven't seen it, you can check my Twitter at Nola Jake. The links are out there or just go to twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. I've been telling you guys to go there for a while. This has been in the works for a little bit, and we finally got to have the first show. So very cool to be doing some work with the team. Appreciate them giving me the opportunity and all the work it takes behind the scenes to make something like this go off. It was a lot of fun. I hope you guys will tune in when we do the next episode. No date on that just yet, Um, but it'll be coming sooner than you think. Join the chat. Get in on the show too and participate. It's a lot of fun. But at practice, which is what we're really here to talk about, is what he said about Zion. And the quote, thank you, Will Guillory of The Athletic, some dude from The Athletic, for transcribing the quotes here. And that's, quote, I think he's fine. I don't think it's anything that can be rushed. I think it's a time thing. Six weeks is what we said. But, I mean, obviously he's making progress. When the time comes for him to start and things like that, he will. It's not anything that's going to be rushed. It's just a matter of taking the time to make sure that he's fine. Yesterday, I believe, was officially the six-week mark since he had surgery, and we've all been waiting to hear an update on him, when he's going to get out on the court, what's he going to be doing. This is our first big look at kind of where he is in the recovery, the time frame, and everything with that going forward. We've seen him on crutches. We've seen him not on crutches. But now it sounds like he's not doing on-court activities yet. And Alvin Gentry went on to say, quote, He's fine. Obviously, he's itching at the bit to be back on the court and be able to do basketball things. In these situations, sometimes you have to protect basketball players from themselves. We're not going to just put him back out there. We're going to be overly cautious about it and make sure he's 100% before we do that. They are clearly trying to take this as... Uh, slowly and precautionary as possible when it comes to him. And then they asked, when is he going to 
you know, start on court activities. And Gentry says, quote, we don't have a specific date in mind. Like I said, this is something everyone is going to be overly cautious about. When that time comes, we'll put them out there. Until then, there's no way we'll take a risk of just throwing them out there, end quote. Okay, so this fits in line with what we thought. They are going to be very cautious with this. They are not going to put him out there till they think there is no injury whatsoever, no chance of recurring, or that he's 100%. They're looking long-term, like seasons in the future long-term, when it comes to Zion Williamson right now. This year, the Pelicans are at the bottom of the Western Conference, or close to the bottom of the Western Conference. They're 6-14. and 14. Only the Golden State Warriors in the West are worse than that at 4-17. and 17. The Pelicans aren't in a rush to get him back. They're not in, you know, the playoff conversation just yet, though they're really only two games, two and a half, three games back from the eighth seed right now. And I think they feel that even where they are and the way the West is going right now, the eighth seed is not insurmountable now or later on, and they can probably still make a playoff push. In fact, 538, I don't know how much I buy into this, but I'm just going to put it in here to show some people think the Pels have a decent shot at making the playoffs. Their new Raptor rankings put the Pelicans at a 42 or 47, I forget which, percent chance of making the playoffs. A 6-14 and 14 team, they think, has about a 50, let's round up, call it 50% chance of making the playoffs. Now, those rankings differ dramatically from their ELO rankings they used before, which I think put the Pels at 7%, which maybe tells you more about the rankings than it does about the Pelicans. But still... There are some people who clearly feel okay about where this team's at. I'd be willing to bet the Pelicans organization is one of them. And that's why they're not going to rush Zion Williamson back. That's why they're not going to get him out on the court until they feel 100% certain that he is ready, that he is over, maybe over 100% in, in the weird chance that math doesn't work in a, in a non-Elucidian way. And he can go out there and play. They just don't feel the need to rush him. There's no urgency in the team to do it because of where they are, because they think they can get back into the playoffs. And when you have guys playing as well as Brandon Ingram has, maybe this is the right move to do. I don't think anyone's, uh, you know, there's people saying he's not going to play this year. Uh, I think that's a jump of a conclusion to make. We don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I wouldn't you know, necessarily rule it out. I don't think it's going to happen, though. But you never know. The team hasn't told us either way, and we haven't yet to see him. But it doesn't sound like there's been any setbacks. It just seems like they're not going to put him on court and doing basketball things until they're feeling really certain about it. And they're not there yet. And you know what? Maybe he would be okay to do this stuff. But again, no sense of urgency. There is no urgency to rush him back. And I think that's the main reason why you're not seeing Zion Williamson participate in on-court activities. Let's see what happens in two weeks. At the end of that six to eight week time frame, even though David Griffin recently said, you can't really hold us to that entirely. So we'll see where he goes, but that's your update on Zion Williamson's health. We're leading off with that on the show because I know everyone wants to hear about that. Coming up though, in a moment, we'll be talking each one more. We'll be talking about the game tonight in the Smoothie King Center. Slightly different tip-off time on that one. I'll let you guys know what that is as well so you can plan accordingly. So all of that coming up here in just a moment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from here Monday through Friday, five days a week, breaking down everything you want to know about your favorite team. And despite the poor string of results, five straight losses, there is still a lot to talk about. So leave a five-star review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. 
So each one more, one of the elder statesmen here on the Pelicans team, the the vet presence who has been just a solid contributor for a number of years, the guy that everyone also wants to trade away since he's on an expiring deal, a.k.a. Uncle E., which I think is the new nickname that is trying to be pushed from him here. Um, and he's having a pretty good season overall. He's been very solid for New Orleans, and his style of play has changed a little bit this year. Look, I get everyone wants to move him. You want to use him in his salary in a big piece uh, or as a big piece in a big trade that nets you someone much better than him, and it's possible to do that. He's on a deal that's paying him $8.6 million this year. You can probably, when you aggregate that with other stuff, get someone decent in return, at least in terms of salary, get to a number where you could get someone decent. But right now with the way he's playing, I don't know if the Pelicans would look to move him depending on the type of player that they would get back. Obviously, if you're not going to re-sign him this offseason, maybe you do closer to the trade deadline. But he's having a pretty good year for New Orleans. He's gotten just three starts on the year, but has played in 15 games so far and has really contributed in almost all of them. So each one more on the season, the numbers don't really jump out at you. 10 points per game on 9.3 shots. He's taking 3.63s per game. He's hitting them at 37%. That number is very, very good. He is getting to the line a little bit, one and a half times per game, but not hitting those. Um, and Joel Myers commented on this the other night, even though he's usually very good from the free throw line. He's giving you 3.4 rebounds, 1.5 assists, not really turning the ball over, not really doing much of anything else. So some shooting, basically. But he's been good. And when you look at how he's played this year, you can see why the Pelicans might not want to move him. You need just a solid dude like that off the bench. And each one more has really been doing that. In half of the games he's played this year, he scored between 10 and 19 points. So he's getting you double digits basically 50% of the time. He's got on the season... A season high of 19 points, he's got an 18-point game and a 17-point game, along with a 15-point game, too. Those are pretty good for a guy in limited minutes off the bench when you just need someone to shoot the ball and get you some buckets. But he's not just being that shooter. This is where his style of play has changed just a little bit this year. We talk about drives and attacking the basket, something the Pelicans have not been doing, and it has been a big detriment to the team. Each one more is doing it. What if I told you? in some weird world in 2019 that each one more is driving to the basket on a per game basis the third highest amount behind drew holiday behind brandon ingram sits each one more with 5.5 per game that's higher than Nikhil alexander walker though he's playing about seven more minutes per game than Nikhil is it's higher than lonzo ball it's higher than frank jackson it's higher than josh hart he's the third most aggressive guy in terms of drives now, a lot of those end with that little nifty floater of his, and I wouldn't say he's an elite scorer when he goes down and drives. He only shoots 44.7% on them, uh, but you know what? It's still pretty useful to just go out and do this and to try and score and to try and break the defense when you don't have perimeter guys that do that. Instead of just standing around on the perimeter, he's trying to make something happen. I think there's a lot of value in that. The three-point shooting at 37% is good, too. Teams that don't close out on him, he can make them pay. He's having a good year. Maybe that makes him more tradable. Maybe that makes you want to trade him even more. But overall, he's played well this year, and that aggression's kind of needed. 
Now, he has moments where he doesn't have his shot falling. The Thunder game at home on Sunday certainly was the case. He went 0 for 6 from the field, just scored one point at the line. It's not great. And there's times when the Pelicans run the offense through him way too much. He should not be the primary ball handler at times. And he is. He's played about 50% of his time as the primary ball handler, as the point guard, and the Pelicans have run their offense through him. That's not the way to use him. Using him as that off-ball guy who can get the ball when it comes to him on the perimeter and then dribble drive and attack, I think, is the way. Not trying to create and set up others. Just when you see the lane and see the opportunity, screw it, take it. Don't do anything else, just go. And we don't have guys that have that mentality, but each one right now does. Contract year players are also pretty fun, and they try and sometimes do a little too much. But it's working here, and I think that means you've got to keep this guy around at least until maybe Nikhil steps into that role and can, can be that attacker. Frank Jackson develops the confidence to dribble drive and attack off the bounce. But until then, he's the guy that's doing it. And the Pelicans need a guy like that right now. Defensively, he's good enough. He's often guarding a position up at times. We've seen that before, too. And he started at three for multiple years for New Orleans. It's a guy who can start if you need, who just kind of does everything you need. And he's a guy that can help you win basketball games. And again, the aggression is the big thing. And he's providing that, and New Orleans desperately needs it. It's a game day, and before we touch on the game against the Dallas Mavericks tonight, don't forget... Go to twitch.com slash pelicansnba. Now that I can talk about it and that we've got the first show, I've been teasing it a little bit over the past couple of months, and this has been in the works since before the season started. Head over there, Pelican, or sorry, twitch.com slash pelicansnba, uh, the new show that I co-host with Gus Cattengale on the fly, live and interactive. We've got Josh Hart on there for the first episode, talking video games and all things but basketball. It was fun. He's a big gamer. He loves streaming. That's where Twitch, what Twitch is usually used for. For, but I like Twitch because it's interactive and you can interact with the audience. It's why we did the live show simulcast on Twitch last uh, Wednesday night after the Los Angeles Lakers and Anthony Davis return game. But this is going to be a regular show. We don't know the schedule exactly yet. But if you go and just hit the follow button, you'll get a notification that tells you when the show goes live. That way you'll never be caught out. You can get the Twitch app on your phone, make it really easy to be part of the show and participate. So twitch.com slash Pelicans NBA. So it's a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans take on the Dallas Mavericks, the very, very good Dallas Mavericks, who are 13-6, and six, fourth best record in the West, and have an MVP candidate in Luka Doncic. Luka is really, really good. At 20, 20 years old, this dude is a bona fide superstar, maybe a super-duper star here. 30.6 points per game, 9.9 rebounds, 9.6 assi uh, assists. If you round everything up, he's averaging a triple-double with over 30 points per game. That is just silly. Not shooting great from three, just 33%, and he's taking over nine attempts per game. But this dude is absolutely electric. He also gets the line nearly 10 times per game as well. He is in the MVP conversation, and he's doing it at 20 freaking years old. He is a whole lot of fun to watch. I'm just excited to go watch him play. That's how much I like this guy. I really like guard play, too. And even though he's not necessarily the most traditional type of point guard with his size, he's really good. And Dallas is good because of him. They don't really 
impress you a ton defensively, though they're very good offensively, again, largely because of him. And defensively, no, they're a slower team because they just want to let him do his thing in the half court, and they've put enough shooters and rebounders around him to really make it work. They still have Kristaps Porzingis there, who's coming back from maybe over a year off of basketball, averaging 17.2 points per game, giving you nine rebounds as well, shooting 35% from deep. When he shoots from three, I don't know if anyone other than maybe Zion Williamson can get up to contest that. You've got Dwight Powell guarding the paint down low. Dorian Finney-Smith, who's given you 8.7 points per game, some three-point shooting as well. You've got Maxi Kleber, who's uh, doing work down low. Tim Hardaway in the backcourt, who's given you some shooting, which they need. And overall, they're just a... Top to bottom, good enough team around a superstar like that. They also have J.J. Barea, who might be the most annoying player, one of the most annoying players in the NBA. This game's going to come down to how Luka does. And he's going to have a good game. There's, there's no other way to say it. He's that good that you can't shut him down entirely. And the Dallas Mavericks, by the way, are playing so well that they beat the Los Angeles Lakers the other night, ending that 10-11 game winning streak that the Lakers were on because Luka is so freaking good. But in the matchup earlier in the year, I think it was the second game of the season, the first home game for the Pelicans when they took on the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic wasn't slowed down as much over the course of the game, he wasn't his amazing, amazing self, but he certainly wasn't bad. However, New Orleans defended him pretty well from two key guys in this one. Against Drew Holiday, and they were matched up for over 26 possessions throughout this one, he shot, and let me pull it here, two for six against Drew Holiday for a total of six points by himself. That's pretty good. He only had one assist during that time, too. Other guys scored when they were matched up, but it wasn't Luka Doncic, and it wasn't because of Luka Doncic, evidenced by the assist numbers. That's got to make you feel pretty good about the Pelicans' chances in this one. If you can limit what Doncic can do, and we've seen that Jackson Hayes is improving on the defensive end, something we really do need to talk about sooner rather than later on the show here, well, you have a chance to win this one. I wouldn't say you're favored whatsoever, but Drew can put the clamps on anyone we've seen, and he's been in that you know all-team defense uh, form all season long. Now, are they going to be able to get enough offense from the rest of the guys? They should be able to. It comes down to whether or not you can stop Doncic and can you do it successfully all game. And Dallas is going to do every single thing they can to keep Drew Holiday off of him. He did well when guys like Kenrich Williams were switched on to him and some of the others in that game, uh, though he did go 0 for 1 against Brandon Ingram. So you've got to keep Drew Holiday on him and use Drew Holiday to really shut him down because that is how you're going to win this game. If you're not able to do that, then it may as well be over. But if Drew can stay on him and the Pelicans are smart using pre-switches, so early on you maybe switch guys so that when they try and force a switch um, or try and run a pick and roll, you've got Drew Holiday on the big, so he switches back on to Doncic. That's the way that you're going to need to do this. So this is going to be a really interesting head coaching matchup between Rick Carlisle and Alvin Gentry and how Gentry finds ways to keep Drew Holiday attached to Luka Doncic because that's how the Pelicans are going to win this one. It's going to be fun, though. Luka's really fun to watch, too. I'm energized about the team, partially because 
did some work for him uh, yesterday, and you should watch that again on the fly on twitch.tv slash pelicansnba or twitch.com slash pelicansnba. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday. No one else doing that. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 